This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Jane Brown. What do you think of the Ontario judge's decision ruling in favor of keeping the size of Toronto City Council at 47? 416 360 or 1-866-740-4740. We are devoting the entire Fight Back Hour to this conversation, and we encourage you to join in. So let's begin with some of the quotes from Justice Edward Bellababa in his ruling this morning. The matter before me is unprecedented, he writes. The province clearly crossed a line when it suddenly introduced legislation cutting the number of wards to 25 from 47 in the middle of an election. The legislation's cut to council substantially interfered with both the candidates and the voters' right to freedom of expression guaranteed by the Charter. It appears that Bill 5 was hurriedly enacted to take effect in the middle of the city's election without much thought at all. Another quote, as it stands now and until a constitutionally valid provincial law says otherwise, the city has 47 wards. Before one o'clock, we will be joined by no fewer than six guests to get reaction to the ruling in this unprecedented case, starting with political strategist Kevin Godet at Bright Point Strategy. Hi, Kevin. Hi, Jane. Your reaction first. Go ahead. I think it's a disappointing decision by the judge. Uh, when one reads it, he's made a couple of legal errors. He's And he's importantly opened the door now to uh, some peculiar future constitutional arguments. In effect, he's trying to suggest that freedom of expression is, is uh, his reason here for striking down the provincial government's changes. And this is a, a breach, a break from practice of the supremacy of law of parliament and the government of Ontario. And I think they're going to be... And one of his arguments, which is just so outrageous, effectively amounts to no council, no body could ever reduce itself in the future because reducing the size of council wouldn't be, would be a violation of freedom of expression because there wouldn't be good enough representation. And that argument's just stupid. Well, but he also writes, and I, I can't say that I read it thoroughly, but I did read his ruling. Uh, he says... Um, if the change had been enacted, say, six months before the start of the election campaign, the law would not have interfered with any candidate's freedom of expression. So he, in effect, it appears to me that the issue here is all about timing. So he, has, he tries to have his cake and eat it, too, where on one hand he says it's not about fairness, but on the other hand, well, it wasn't, it, it was done too quickly. Um, he, and if one wants to get into the Constitution, the Section 3 of the Constitution is the section that deals with our freedom to vote, and he's trying to sneak in some arguments in, under Section 2. This is a, a really interesting example of judges overreaching and choosing their political views, allowing them to be colored, and using the Constitution to color it uh, and cloak it 
and, and I see this as a problem judicially. Uh, of course, I, I hope and we'll be curious to see how the, how the premier responds, but I, I'd love to see the province appeal this. And that is more than likely to happen. In fact, uh, we will be hearing uh, in just a moment or two here what the Premier is saying in response to the ruling. Uh, What you're alleging here, though, Kevin, I mean, is pretty serious uh, that the judge is issuing a personal bias in in his ruling. I mean, that is calling into question everything that he is professionally. Yes. Uh, well, I'm not sure I'd go quite that far. I'm, the, the, uh, all I'm going to say is on this, and I don't know enough about the, the background of the, the writings of this justice. I have read this, this decision, and I think the judges should be very careful about choosing to create uh, constitutional interpretations. Uh, I prefer judges to adhere to the text of the Constitution and to suddenly create these uh, expression. In, in these arguments is, I think, importantly, overstepping the bounds of, of what they're supposed to be. I'm mindful that they can look at the Constitution, but these, these, these are strange arguments to suggest that freedom of expression is somehow uh, infringed for candidates running. Um, all candidates running ascribe to the same rules. No individual candidate is, is transgressed or prejudiced from their campaigning. Is it awkward? Sure. Uh, but they can still run. They all could still run. And to go on further to suggest that somehow we as voters are disenfranchised and we don't have freedom of expression because there are too many people in our wards, well, well how big is too big? And, and why does this judge get to decide what the right size is? Uh, that's what Section 3 actually is supposed to do. So he's, he's sneaking some stuff in here. So, yes, I think in this case this judge has crazily allowed his personal political views to color his decision And he should just step back and let the supremacy of the provincial legislature rule here as it's supposed to constitutionally. Uh, We've just learned that uh, Premier Ford has pushed back his news conference to between 12.30 and 1. So we will bring you some of that uh, when it happens. But for now, there is no reaction to this moment from Premier Doug Ford. Uh, Mayor John Tory did bring forward his reaction. He was planning to react, Kevin, at 3 this afternoon and instead held the news conference at 9.30. I think that very much reflects the fact that Mayor Tory thought that the city would lose in this particular case. Well, the city did think it was going to lose when city council commissioned from its own lawyers an opinion as to how to proceed the the report that the, the the legal advice was provided was pretty clear that they didn't think they had a very good leg to stand on. Uh, so it was surprising that they proceeded in the first place, but uh, one can roll the dice, and if one gets the right judge here who's willing to use the Constitution as a cloak for their own personal opinion, then they end up winning, as they did. Um, as, as is often the case, lower courts... Sometimes it's a, it is frequently the case that lower courts will make some of these constitutional decisions and the smarter judges, the higher courts who are more taken with uh, greater constitutional studies uh, will overturn these types of silly decisions. So I have my fingers crossed here that the rule of law will prevail here and, and the supremacy of, of the Ontario legislature will, will reign supreme. Look, I get it that people don't like this decision. Uh, I mean, the premier's decision to reduce the size of Toronto Council. Or, or some people don't. I get that. 
But the fact is we have a duly elected parliament, and it's their constitutional obligation and duty and, and responsibility and capability to enact these types of laws. And we can argue whether or not it was signaled well enough or how awkward it was for the election. But the fact is that the, the province and the premier and the cabinet and caucus have this power and they exercised it. So for the judge to just toss that out is it also creates this constitutional question about whether or not suddenly cities are constitutional creatures, which they never have been historically. Right. But he's he's not specifically relating the decision to well, he, says, he says he says he's not but to the, the voters. But he, it is. Right. Uh, you know, he, he can say, I'm actually not doing this. But by making this decision, I would argue, in effect, he is, even though he says he's not. Kevin, I'm interested to hear uh, you are a strategist, and clearly we can hear your bias and your reaction to this ruling. What do you think that Premier Ford should say when he steps in front of the microphone? Uh, well, thank you. I, I'm Look, I make no bones about the fact that I'm conservative. Uh, but in this case, my arguments aren't just because he's conservative, it's because there's a due process question. I, I look at I, I, the premier doesn't call me for advice very often, um, but I would hope to see Doug Ford, uh, you know, stand behind the the process and the decision that he went with in the first place, and suggest that he's going to give direction to legal counsel in Ontario to file uh, an immediate appeal, and hope to have the Ontario Court of Appeal uh, see this case in an expeditious manner. Uh, you know, the clock is ticking here. This part of the challenge everybody faces now. There's an election that's October 22nd mm-hmm. is whatever that is, 50, 50 days away or whatever it is now. 42, um, but yes, it's creeping up. <laughs> yeah. You're listening uh, to Zoomer Radio's Fight Back. I'm Jane for Libby. I, I want to get to your calls as well. I want to hear what you think about the Ontario judge's decision ruling in favor of keeping the size of Toronto City Council at 47. We have Kevin Godet, uh, political strategist, conservative political strategist on the line with us. We also have uh, Rocco Achimpong. He is the lawyer and candidate for mm-hmm. Ward 13, who was one of the applicants along with the City of Toronto. He joins us on the line now. Rocco, hello. Thanks for joining us. I know it's a busy day for you. Thank you so much. And my apologies for not being able to be there in person. Um, the province is obviously in the process of trying to get into court as fast as possible. So all of us are hurriedly trying to work together to make sure we see, we see, uh, we see all the paperwork uh, uh, done and uh, uh, the procedures and orders entered so that we can move as expeditiously as possible. Is this going to happen today, Rocco? It's not going to happen today, but it'll likely happen tomorrow after. And I also have to say, I think having to take issue with uh, Kevin, Kevin Goddard. Kevin is uh, if it's the same Kevin I'm thinking of. I think we are acquainted and we're friendly. Um, and his comments on what Justice Bella Baba did was uh, certainly, uh, uh, in my respectful view, out of bounds. Um, Justice Bella Baba is uh, an Osgoode Hall Law School graduate, top of his class. Uh, he's not an activist judge by any stretch of the imagination. The Constitution and the political sphere are are, so, are sometimes diametrically opposed. What people think they can do and what the law actually permits are two different questions. And uh, those questions, those uh, that commentary on the justice was out of bounds in my respectful view. Up until the ruling came down, Rocco, how confident were you that the judge would rule in your favor? Well, let's be candid. I would not have filed it if I did not think that I would um, uh, be reasonably successful. I would be wasting my time otherwise. But I was very firm in my conviction and my belief that there are democratic principles at play here. This isn't a question of simply an election finishing and to a, for a party that I belong to. Um, and uh, uh, and that being the end of the question, we don't elect, uh, you know, 
dictators. We elect, you know, uh, premiers uh, that are entrenched within a constitutional framework, a rule of law framework, and one has to follow process, one has to follow precedent, one has to do things reasonably and orderly. And I, I take no issue with the content or his legislative objective of trying to reduce counsel, but in the middle of an election, you do not do what just happened. Okay, so please address for us some of what Kevin Godet said about what he felt were inconsistencies in the argument within the ruling. Um, well, you know, I, 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 it's, Kevin is not a lawyer. I don't know Kevin to be a lawyer. If, I, if he is, I, I stand mistaken, but what he was saying was not very lawyerly. It's, uh, it doesn't speak to uh, the legal arguments that were before the courts. Um, and the judge effectively suggested uh, and, and followed precedent in the Supreme Court of Canada's case, uh, Carter v. Saskatchewan, speaking to effective representation. Now, in the Premier's uh, legal counsel, the Ontario Attorney General, basically came to make the argument that this was a question of voter parity. In fact, they, they didn't even make the savings argument, they made the voter parity argument. And that was found to be lacking. There was no substantial evidence for it. More often than not, there is... Uh, uh, tested study, there is uh, some uh, stakeholder consultation, some expert evidence, and, you know, there is a rational basis on which to make that assertion. That was missing in this case. Kevin, and that's why they lost. Kevin, uh, you know, and I want to thank you very much for being here with us today, uh, but I will give you a chance now to rebut what uh, Rocco is saying about your comments. Oh, look, I, I like Rocco, yes, we are acquainted, and no, I am not a lawyer. Um, but I arguably know enough to be dangerous. Sure, sure as heck, not qualified to plead before the bench, not called before the bench. I don't think that precludes, though, uh, a lay person having a, a passing understanding of more than passing understanding of the Constitution. And when judges choose to be activists and read in constitutional principles that don't apply, um, you know, this is also though why we have four higher courts. So I, of course, applaud today Rocco and his successful case. Uh, and I'm sure he will try to use his advantage in, in, in his electoral uh, efforts as, as a, I think, Ward 13 or whichever riding in which he's running. Edmonton Lawrence. Yes, Ward 13, yep. Uh, again, I look forward to seeing higher courts render decisions as whether or not they think it's appropriate uh, for this judge to have interpreted in this manner uh, freedom of expression in the two cases in which they have. Uh, yes, as a non-lawyer, I say I disagree with that interpretation, and and I think it is an overreach by this justice, and I can't speak to this justice history or anything else this justice is doing or has done. All I will say is that in this case, it seems clear to me that it is a judicial overreach to reach for Section uh, 2B in the two ways in which he's done it. Um, and I think that's unfortunate, and I think it takes away the powers from the province that the Premier ought to have. Rock, of course, at this level of court has been more successful. My arguments, or the, the, the province's arguments, didn't prevail. The facts are clear on that. Uh, Rocco won. My side, if you will, didn't. And that's why I say I look forward to the, the government appealing it and cross my fingers that we will be successful. Kevin Godet at Bright Point Strategy, thank you for your time today. We appreciate your perspective. Thanks for having me. We will take a quick break here uh, and get back. Actually, let me keep Rocco on the line for just a, a couple of more minutes because I know, what time do you have to leave, Rocco? We have so many guests I'm trying to keep track. Um, 
I I can I can speak for the next five to seven minutes. Okay, that's perfect. Let's talk about um, let's talk about what the city clerk's office is saying. The municipal election, the city clerk is saying at this point, will proceed October twenty second as scheduled on the basis of forty seven wards. Advance voting begins October tenth. How is it that the city clerk can come out and say this before we have even embarked on an appeals process? Well, because one, she is bound by a judicial order. The order operates, it trumps any and everything. Two, they've also been preparing since January 1st for a 47 ward election. So it's simply just taking one playbook out and uh, saying this one continues to apply. I one would think that be- before Gen- uh, July 27th, uh, they had made preparations long before the middle of the election uh, to get um, to have an effective uh, electoral process in place uh, for the 47 ward system. And uh, I-, I think it can it can be done. Now, and, and just to, so we have a clear perspective on on how you're coming at this whole thing, you're not necessarily against Premier Ford's legislation to reduce the size of council. You, like the judge, are against the timing of this decision, yes? Absolutely correct. And look, I am a, I, I would like to say, I'd like to say, think to myself that I'm a friend of Doug Ford. Um, I like everything he's trying to accomplish. The only thing is, there is a manner and process to uh, do some of these things. I think he was probably badly advised on the legal aspects of uh, doing it in the middle of uh, the election. We shouldn't hold that against him. Uh, he hasn't, you know, I mean, he's not a lawyer himself, but he's our leader. And uh, Godspeed to whatever he's, everything he's trying to achieve. It's just that the timing of the election was off. It was not right how it was done, and it should follow a more orderly process. Now, how has, um, since this law was passed on August 14th and we've had the legal challenge and so on, how has that affected your campaigning? Have you put campaigning on hold and are you back at it as of today? At me, uh, I, amongst, uh, like other candidates, have had to put our campaigns on hold. People have suspended your campaigns. Um, so, yes, I've had to put it on hold. Today, I would like to have my team convene and begin getting everything done. But now I face the prospect of a motion to stay uh, the judgment so that uh, the, the province argues for a 25-ward model. I do not think they will be successful, so I will still be making um, plans uh, to proceed on a 47-ward model. Okay. On a 47-ward model, but um, uh, yeah, it's uh, the confusion is not helping anybody out in your campaigns right now. Ironically, do you think that uh, as an applicant in this case, it, it's heightened your profile to the point where you might be a clear winner uh, for council come October twenty second? You still have to knock on doors. You still <laughs> have to press the flesh. You still have to win over voters. You still have to make a persuasive argument. But I've always said that Rockwood Champong, my motto is a champion for you, and I'm going to uh, be making that case to uh, the residents of Eglinton Lawrence in the coming days. And hopefully they choose me. I'm going up a very strong, uh, a strong individual with very strong name recognition. I think I'm a better candidate and uh, we'll let the voters decide. Rocco at Champong, thank you very much for your time today uh, and best of luck. However, this all rolls out. Thank you so much for your time. We'll go to the phones now quickly before we take a quick break, uh, because we want you to weigh in on this as well. What you think of the Ontario judge's decision ruling in favor of keeping the size of council, Toronto City Council at 47. Let's go to Bill in Toronto. Bill, your answer to that question. 
Well, first of all, I think Rocco will make a fine politician. He's got all that uh, bunk down pat. And, you know, a hundred lawyers at the bottom of the, the ocean is a good start. This guy is clearly an activist judge. It's the same thing they shut down pipelines out west with an activist judge. Since when, you know, like he said, we don't elect, elect dictators and we don't elect judges. This guy was appointed by Dalton McGuinty. So he's thwarting the will of the Ontario electorate that we put Doug Ford in. And you know what? This is the same judge that denied the widow, uh, the Spears widow, uh, access to the 10.5 million Omer Carter was, uh, was given by the government. So, you know, this guy clearly has a liberal bent left wing agenda. And you know what? That's what pisses normal people off. Excuse the language. We've had enough of this. I want to check those facts. Thanks, Bill. Let's go to Diane in Toronto. Diane, go ahead. What do you think of the judge's ruling? I was very, very disappointed, Jane, uh, to the point where it's making me nauseous. Uh, I agreed with everything that Kevin had to say. He was spot on for this whole thing. And it makes me so sad to think we have to go through with that circus for another four years and waste our taxpayers' money. It's just so, so sad. All right. And Ron in Guelph, before we go to break, what do you think about the judge's decision? Well, um, I don't think it was a good one. I, I agree with Kevin. He's, I've read enough. Uh, he, he does have a liberal bias, a slight, whether it's slight or much. Um, first of all, I was born and raised in Scarborough and, and lived there until the last 15 years. So I look at this as a loss for the um, people in the suburbs, especially Scarborough because now there's going to be another four years of discontent. Talk, 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 talk in uh, the council chambers, and nothing is going to get done towards any transit in Scarborough. All right, Ron, thank you for your call. And, in fact, um, our fact-checkers have, uh, in fact, uh, corroborated what our earlier caller said, what Bill in Toronto said, uh, that, in fact, uh, the Justice Edward Bellababa was uh, was instituted in his role by Premier, then Premier Dalton McGuinty, and he did rule in the Spears case. We are looking forward to having some more viewpoints on the controversial decision that has come down today, ruling in favor of keeping the size of City Council at 47. We will have Councillors John Burnside and Councillors Jim Karagiannis joining you for the conversation, joining us here on Fight Back. That is coming up next. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Jane Brown. Libby is observing Jewish New Year today. She returns tomorrow. I'm glad you're with me for an entire hour here of conversation about the Ontario Superior Court judge decision this morning, ruling in favor of keeping the size of Toronto City Council at 47. I want to hear from you. What do you think about the decision and why? 416 360 0740, toll free 1 866 
866-740-4740. All of our calls from Zoomer Radio listeners so far have been against how the judge has ruled this morning for various reasons. Uh, but even uh, fellow applicant to the city of Toronto, uh, Rocco Achimpong, uh, stipulated that he is, an, he is a supporter of Premier Doug Ford. He likes what he's doing. He just didn't like the timing of this decision. And that is effectively what the justice says in his ruling, that had this happened at any other time, he even uses the quote, say, six months before the start of the election campaign, the law would not have interfered with any candidate's freedom of expression. And Premier Ford would would have won the challenge had it fallen outside of the election campaign time, which began on May 1st. So looking forward to hearing from you, 416-360-0740, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. Let's go to City Councillor John Burnside. Uh, welcome, Councillor Burnside. Thanks for having me. What was your reaction to the ruling this morning? Well, I was uh, I was happy about the ruling. Uh, you know, obviously, I think there were huge issues with the timing and and the effect it had on candidates who had already registered, and and those of us who um, were going to be uh, fighting each other. But apart from that, I didn't think that the actual reduction to twenty five councillors uh, would fulfill the objective that was stated by the Ford government. And what, in effect, uh, would, in, so in terms of uh, this legislation and say it comes to fruition after the October 22nd election for 2022, what, what do you have a problem uh, with in terms of reducing council to 25 wards? So what I've always identified uh, since I was elected four years ago, the real problem with council isn't, well, yes, it's bloviating politicians, but if that adds an extra half day out of a month, I don't think that's really the issue. What the issue is, is is one of governance and how decisions are made, which is, you know, we're all elected, whether it's 25 of us or 44 or 47 of us, we're largely elected on local issues. And we're, so we're not accountable for the big city decisions, except we're, we're, we're making them. And in fact, if you look at the Gardner Expressway, Mayor Tory was the only one that actually campaigned on that. None of us, I was never asked at the door what my feelings were. So how I would approach this, and this is why consultation is important, is to get other people's ideas, is if you want to reduce it to 25, that's fine. Reduce it to 25, but make all those councillors uh, only deal with local issues. Then I would have another tier, which is eight councillors elected at large, that is citywide, who only deal with the big city issues. So not only are they accountable to the electorate, they've campaigned on the big city issues, but they have the time and the resources to truly understand them and make informed decisions, not decisions that are largely based on one's own little ward. Now, there there was a full study conducted uh, prior to Premier Ford even being elected that suggested that 47 wards was the proper amount of representation for city council. Some $2 million was spent on that. Well, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I saw something come out from the Ford government saying that Toronto has the largest city council. Well, no kidding. We also have a population double or triple the size of the next largest city. So there's a lot of politics and and, uh, hyperbole out there. But in terms of representation, uh, I agree. But 
before government was really coming at it from, from at least the way I perceived it, was from an angle of better governance, quicker decisions, more efficiency. Mm-hmm. And so if you actually reduce, and I, look, we're, when we're talking about better decisions and quicker ones, we're not talking about getting your tree cut down or you know how long it takes us to decide to fit, fix a pothole. We're talking about housing, uh, TTC. So if you want to really be efficient, have eight councillors plus a mayor only dealing with those issues. And now the mayor, we also address the other issue of the weak mayor system, where now the mayor is one of nine decision makers on those large issues, as opposed to one of 26 or one of 48. How is that idea being received? Is it just you who's thinking about this, or is there a group of you on well, this? Well, it's, 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 it's my idea. I mean, other, other cities do similar things, but I don't think anyone has such a, a tight number of councillors. There are you know, sub-councils around, around the world in, in cities. I wrote about it in my local uh, newspaper, Leaside Life, and I haven't heard anyone else talk about it. Funnily enough, I did speak to someone who is uh, close to the Ford campaign who thought it was a wonderful idea and asked me why I didn't uh, you know, approach Doug Ford about it. And my response is because he didn't do any consultation. Right. And well, there's irony in that question, isn't there? Yeah. Let's go to one of uh, your colleagues. Councillor Jim Karagiannis is on the line. And Jim, uh, we know from your viewpoints in the past uh, that you are disappointed in the judge's decision today. Well, certainly, um, you know, the uh, province has uh, had the constitutional right to uh, to move forward. Uh, it's very unfortunate the way that they came around it, but hopefully uh, after this election is over, then we can certainly start looking into 25 uh, wards. I believe that uh, um, equal representation will be better. As it stands right now, Ward 43, the one that I'll be running in, will have 69,000 people, while Ward 20 will have something like 30,000 people. That's totally this this. Uh, disproportional. I mean, I would understand that we had people that did studies and they looked at it. However, I don't uh, believe that the numbers that uh, they came up with reflects the the need for having equal representation for the people of Toronto. What did you think about uh, the judge's argument uh, as he made his ruling and, and the points that he brought forward? And to me, it seems very much like it was a timing issue. I think it was a timing issue, and certainly uh, we can certainly look after making 2025 after the election and move forward on that issue, have consultations and, and do it properly, and move on. Right. I mean, it is very similar to what Mayor Tory said this morning, that Torontonians and Canadians hold very dear uh, the Charter of Rights. And so uh, going through this process, I think, is something we feel more comfortable with in, in our society at this time. Uh, the Charter of Rights of Freedoms gives the province the opportunity to do this. However, the way it was done, uh, it, it came into question in the way that the judge ruled on it. Uh, however, I mean, you know, there's going to be uh, an election in four years down the line, and in that election we can certainly move down to 25. I proposed 25 councillors when we were doing our um, our consultations, and I, I put it on the line for a vote. Unfortunately, uh, colleagues voted against it. There's a lot of people here that are vying for, vying for their jobs and the, the jobs of their staff, and they don't want to be uh, cut down, but the lesser politicians we have, the less talk heads, the, the talking heads, the better it's going to be. Well, certainly, and those who've been in favor of reducing Toronto City Council bring up a very valid point in the 311 service that we have now. I mean, you can get almost immediate reaction to a local issue. Uh, yesterday, uh, we had a, a, a branch come down from a large tree uh, when the winds kicked up, and it was hanging off the hydro wires, and I called 311, and they immediately put me on to Toronto Hydro, and within 
within a couple of hours, a hydro crew was there and they'd cleared the problem. Before 311, we would have had to call our city councilor's office, maybe not in that particular case, but in similar sort of issues. So I get when Premier Ford says that 311 and, and supporters of the reduced council say that that has really lightened the load for a lot of uh, council offices. Uh, would you agree with that, uh, Councillor Burnside? I encourage my constituents to uh, call me and give me their problems, uh, you know, firsthand versus 311. Okay. There's been some horror stories about 311 okay. that I had to deal with, and I'm always a hands-on, and uh, my constituents have my number, and I do respond immediately. And Councillor Burnside on that? Yeah, thanks. Um, well, you know, 311 is a great service, but there absolutely are issues with it. And in my office, we do deal with a lot of unresolved 311 calls that can go on for months. Uh, you know, I don't think it's only about 311. It's about advocating for communities, uh, whether it's development, whether it's traffic, you know, whatever the case is. I think the real thing that's not understood in the city is that the, the workload of councillors differs by region. And I'm not saying that justifies 47 by any means. As, as you heard me earlier, 25 is fine with me, plus the eight citywide councillors deciding city issues. Uh, but I know that in, in Etobicoke, where there's very little development and very few of those associated problems, and you don't have all the downtown issues, whether it, it's homelessness or, or uh, injection sites, the workload is quite a bit different than what it is in the downtown midtown area. So that needs to be addressed. But more importantly, cutting to 25 whether you agree with that number or not, it really doesn't address the larger issue that I've identified. Uh, interesting in the judge's ruling, uh, he makes the comment here, if there was a concern about the large size of some of the city's wards, in brackets, by my count, six wards had populations ranging from 70,000 to 97,000. Why not deal with these six wards specifically, the judge asks. Why impose a solution, increasing all ward sizes to 111,000, that is far worse in terms of achieving effective representation, the original problem? And again, why do so in the middle of the city's election? And then after that, he writes crickets. So, so Councillor Karagiannis, I mean, what, what about that issue specifically and, and the judge's reaction? Well, the judge, um, the judges, um, the upper, the judicial system has its own uh, way of thinking about it. The electoral, the uh, the electoral system. People that are get elected have their own uh, views on this. Uh, we have to respect the judge's decision. However, when my ward goes up to sixty-nine thousand and downtown wards uh, like Ward Twenty have only thirty thousand, I am truly concerned. Right. Truly concerned. Let's go to Jerry in Burlington. Jerry, what do you think about the judge's decision? I'm absolutely disgusted because a single judge, unelected, can make a decision, uh, and it is a political decision. And um, can you imagine, well, and that was the same with the Kingdom uh, Mountain uh, Pipeline. It's just, a, you know, it's just absolutely disgusting. And can you imagine how the council is going to function? Because... If it didn't happen now, the reduction to 25, it's going to happen next election because, or, you know, at that time, because at that time, hopefully there won't be anything against it. Like this time, it wasn't the fact, but it was more or less the timing. So next year, 
that should not play a role. Right. Can you imagine how dis- dysfunctional this council is going to be? Because they will know what's coming. They will be each fighting for their own place because they have a cushy, they have cushy job. Okay, Jerry, I'm going to cut you off there and because uh, both of our councillors uh, need to get going. Uh, John Burnside, Kim, Jim Karagiannis. Let's address that, what it's going to be like for the next four years. This whole idea that Premier Ford put forth of the dysfunction of Toronto City Council. Under Mayor Tory, uh, ironically, we're hearing that there is a lot less dysfunction over the last four years there, than there was with the Premier's late brother. Rob Ford, uh, Councillor Burnside. Well, yeah, I've only been there for the last four years, and it's, it's uh, seemed to function fairly well. But what the caller brought up was sort of segues into another concern I had or have is that with these larger wards, they're double the size. Anyone who wants to challenge a councillor has to raise twice as much money and knock on twice as many doors, which is next to impossible when you're not involved with a political party. So this idea of dysfunction and, and fighting for jobs, yes, that, that, that will be, could be an issue in the next four years. But what we really need to do, this is why we need consultation, this wasn't thought out well. They also need term limits. You know, you need a 12-year term limit or eight years or whatever that number is so that we don't have people. I think the bigger issue is going to be councillors for life. And I don't think the caller, uh, just listening to what uh, her concerns, I don't think she would want councillors for life. What this does, it entrenches the whole concept of councillors for life. Well, that's an interesting point as well. Uh, councillor Karagiannis, go ahead. Um, I certainly um, served 25 years in the House of Commons, and people kept returning me, and uh, there's other parties that challenged me, and I agree that uh, when you got twice the award, you have to raise twice as much. But you know what? Uh, fundraising is not a, it, it is not an issue. It's an issue of uh, going out there and speaking to constituents and making sure that people do, uh, uh, people do realize who you are and people do support you, and, and that's the bottom line. Uh, bottom line, and the sooner that we move to 25 councillors, the better it's going to be. I thank you both for your time. Thank you. Thanks. Councillor Jim Karagiannis and Councillor John Burnside. Continuing with the question to you, the Zoomer Radio listener, what do you think of the Ontario judge's decision ruling in favour of keeping the size of Toronto City Council at 47 for the coming election? 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-740-4740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Jane Brown. Libby will be back tomorrow. It is a hot topic and a controversial decision. What do you think about the ruling of the Ontario judge this morning in favor of keeping the size of Toronto City Council at 47? Let's go to Jim in Hanover. Jim, your thoughts? Yes, Jim. Um, it's very disgusting that a judge can shoot down. We voted uh, Premier Ford in to make changes. He announced he was afterwards that he's going to make these changes, and then it all gets shot down. So what other changes does he want to make that has to go to court and get shot down? We voted him in to do this. We gave him the majority. And I think it's the people that count, not a judge's decision, because, oh, well, there wasn't enough time to, you know, inform everybody. I mean, that's a very poor excuse, especially if it's going to happen four years from now, so it's going to happen anyway. And we are the taxpayers, all of us, not just Toronto, all of us in Ontario, are paying for this. 
Okay, Jim, thanks for your thoughts on the decision. Uh, It, by the way, is the second court ruling relating to a Ford government decision since his PCs came to power in June. In August, an Ontario judge ruled a plan to immediately end rebates for buyers of Tesla electric vehicles should be quashed, leading Ford's government to agree that those buyers would be eligible for rebates if their vehicles had been delivered and registered by September 10th. So this is the second of two court challenges against Ford, which the Premier has lost. And by the way, we are still waiting uh, to hear from the Premier. He was initially going to react to the ruling at noon. He has yet to step in front of the microphone, uh, but we will bring you some of that uh, if he gets to his comments before the one o'clock news. And certainly you'll be able to hear snippets of uh, his reaction through the afternoon on Zoomer Radio News with Christine Ross. Let's go. Uh, Now we've got a couple of uh, more guests up until one o'clock. Councillor Stephen Hall Holiday is on the line, along with the Vice President of Government Relations for Sutherland Corp., Aleem Kanji. Welcome to both of you. Hi, Jane. Hi, Aleem. Hey, Councillor, and hi, Jane. Great to be on your show. Well, great to have you here with us today. It's good to have a lot of voices, especially when a decision is being deemed as controversial. Uh, Councillor Holiday, your reaction? Well, uh, as I've said before, Jane, to a lot of people, I'm one of those councillors that wanted to see a smaller council with no self-interest in that expression. So obviously I'm disappointed with uh, what I've seen. Uh, I do respect the judge and and the wisdom of the judge in his ruling, but I just found it interesting on some of the rationale uh, about uh, freedom of uh, expression and effective representation. And I think, uh, in my opinion, it leaves the door open to uh, questions and perhaps a challenge. Well, it looks like there will be a challenge. I would be surprised if there wasn't. Uh, yes, I, I'm, I'm quite certain uh, that the, uh, the provincial government is, is not done yet, and there, there is more to be heard on this. Uh, but some of the reasons uh, that were laid out in the ruling, in, in my own interpretation, were ones that I, I, uh, I wasn't quite sure about, because I'm a sitting councillor right now and perhaps have a different perspective on things. Uh, I, uh, I'm a member of this body and this government, and uh, I also uh, am a candidate out on the campaign trail, and I have my own thoughts and reactions to uh, some of the rationale that the judge put forward. Oh, well, please tell us. Well, one of them that was uh, quite interesting, the judge uh, did talk about freedom of expression. And uh, part of the explanation in uh, him reaching his decision was that he he, uh, expressed concern over um, the way that candidates had to deal with all of these changes and the way that voters had to deal with the changes. And it, in many ways, uh, um, you know, could possibly have affected the outcome of the election. But you know, as a candidate in a municipal process, uh, we are very dynamic, and we have to react to all sorts of changes. And this campaign is, is continuing to ramp up, and look, we're facing a big change today. Uh, I've been out uh, knocking on doors and uh, speaking to people in an area which has now just been snipped out of my ward, and I've uh, put, rec- uh, you know, I've spent resources on that. And part of the judge explanation was, you know, he he was concerned about candidates who had set off on one foot, uh, looking at one particular area or another, and somehow it changed through the process. I just think that's part of the political process and uh, part of elections. And any appeal going forward will have to uh, examine what goes into an election in, in uh, greater detail, and different arguments will be made through that. And what were the constituents in your ward and in the greater ward uh, had the legal challenge failed? Uh, What were they saying to you? 
Well, it was very clear. You know, one of the benefits of an election campaign is you get to go out and knock on thousands of, of doors and speak to a lot of different people. And uh, I, it was very clear to me that the vast, vast, vast majority of people that, that I talked to were in favor of a smaller council. Uh, but I will say that a lot of people did express concern about the process or the speed at which we got to the decision today. Um, even though there were some practical reasons, uh, you know, it, it did come on fast. Uh, so, uh, you know, to me that says that people are not necessarily happy with the current or the proposed structure of 47 councillors, and, and many feel they could do less, uh, they could be happier with less of us around and uh, see some better decision-making. And what about, uh, you know, when, when Toronto Mayor John Tory was initially voicing his displeasure with this uh, very quick, quick uh, Better Government Act, and he, he said it should be put to a referendum. Is that something that could still be up for discussion for the October 22nd election, or, is it, or was that just a red herring? Well, we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, a number of us looked at that, and uh, some were concerned that why would you put a, a question on a ballot if the change was going to happen beforehand? It wouldn't just make matters worse, or, or maybe it was a delay uh, uh, process there. But I don't know. We uh, we have an elected provincial government who has got care of handling these policies and these laws. And uh, perhaps my consideration of the threshold of which you put something onto uh, a, a referendum ballot is quite high. Look, doing a referendum is not easy. It costs a lot of money. You have to spend a lot of time explaining to people what the question is before them. You have to get the question right. And uh, I think we have to save those things for uh, extremely important matters. And uh, and maybe my, my thoughts are is that uh, this is not one of them. Uh, although it is an important matter, it's not one for a referendum ballot. Okay, fair enough. Premier Ford, by the way, has pushed back his comments to two this afternoon. Aleem Kanji is also on the line with us, Vice President of Government Relations at Sutherland Corporation. Uh, first, Aleem, I'll get your reaction. You know, you've you got to balance this whole thing out. I mean, you, you look at the judge's rendering and, you know, he talks a lot about uh, effective representation and and uh, changing the rules midway and, and the breach of voters' rights. But I can tell you this, um, make no mistake, knowing the Premier uh, personally myself, um, this is not a man uh, leading a government that is going to take this sitting down. And I can also share with your listeners uh, that Premier Ford is uh, is going to be uh, on a series of interviews uh, this afternoon um, uh, talking about uh, what I expect to be a challenge uh, and how he is going to set forward that challenge. And, and this extra hour uh, for Premier Ford uh, taking us to 2 o'clock is going to give him the time to, um, to go over those uh, arguments. Because, you know, you can look at this in one sense and, and ask the question, you know, has the judge overreached? Um, you know, I think the constitutional argument for, for candidates um, is really weak in, in the sense that has their freedom of expression really been violated? Um, I think this is a question that, that is going to come up. So, um, you know, could he extend the existing term? Could he cancel the election? Uh, could he have a new election uh, uh, next year for a smaller council? Uh, or could he, more than likely, in my view, file an appeal? And I think that's the way uh, uh, this is going uh, in terms of that appeal uh, being filed. And, and certainly uh, with Premier Ford hitting the, uh, the media circuit this afternoon, um, I expect him to uh, tee up the um, the basis for that appeal uh, as we move forward. Aleem, certainly it's all speculation as to why he's pushed back his news conference by two hours. Might there be some dissension in his camp about how to move forward? 
Um, I'm not so sure there's dissension in the ranks. I think it's it's a matter of of, um, of understanding what the arguments are. Look, at they're they're probably hunkered uh, down in that office right now, uh, speaking with uh, with lawyers, getting legal opinions, uh, doing what matters. Quite frankly, before you you put uh, an elected official in front of uh, in front of a camera, as we saw this morning, that uh, Mayor Tory took a little bit of time to digest. Uh, and reflect on the decision before offering uh, comment. And, uh, you know, quite frankly, I think that's that's probably what's happening uh, up at Queen's Park in the Premier's office as we speak. Is it possible that he could actually be writing uh, a new bill to move the date of the election? Could it be something like that? I mean, you did mention that in passing. It, it's possible. I mean, extending the, the existing term is, is uh, something that uh, he certainly has the power um, to do. But um, you know, he also has um, uh, to balance that with the uh, potential for an appeal and and also the risk of, of losing again. And I think he's, he's got to weigh those things out very carefully uh, before he uh, before he uh, he makes a decision of how they want to move forward. But, you know, certainly that's 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 a possibility. But um, extending an existing term and not appealing it um, to me really reflects it would reflect uh, the fact that he's taking this decision uh, sitting down and 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 I don't think uh, Premier Ford is going to take this sitting down I think he's going to stand up and uh, fight for what he believes in fight for a smaller government and uh, and appeal this uh, appeal this to to the next level councillor holiday is it possible that premier Ford is is reaching out to some of you on council who were backing his bid to reduce the size for this election I suppose anything is possible. I haven't spoken to the Premier about this, uh, but if I had a message uh, for him, I, I hope uh, he acts uh, swiftly and decisively on it uh, and, and finds a way to sustain the, the Council of 25. Um, one of the worries I have going forward, and it was maybe one of the rationales on why this had to be dealt with before this election and since he took power in June in that very small window that has caused this timing concern, is that council will be an absolute circus if there is a threat of a reduced council size in the future. And if we have 44 or 47 uh, officials in that room that are now worrying about their seat sometime in the future, they call it a circus now. I'll call it the big top after that. Uh, You know, there will be politicking and soapboxing and stabbing each other in the back, all in the name of of, uh, saving a spot at a shrinking watering hole. That is not going to be good government, and that is not going to be helpful for the people of Toronto. So these matters need to be settled, and uh, I really hope the settlement is a smaller council. Well, and I mean, if if the election now goes as the judge has ruled, it should go to 47 wards. And we're talking about a consultation process after October 22nd. Uh, In effect, wouldn't that be a a separate venue, a separate uh, process than what's happening at Toronto City Council? I mean, you're suggesting that they would cross, that that councillors would become more self-interested and self-protective than dealing with the city's business? It's only human nature. I mean, the one silver lining about this happening very quickly is as difficult as it has been for everybody, self-included. Look, I'm a person that's running and had to react to changes. Um, you know, we, we just want to make sure that, uh, that the business of the city continues to get done. So those decisions have to be made swiftly. You know, it's just a general concern about 
changes once again leading into this election coming six weeks from now, we already know from the clerk uh, that they have concerns about risks. Uh, there could be some, uh, some, some errors made in having to make changes once again, and there could be contests and people questioning the results of the election. Again, another not a good thing for public confidence in the electoral process. I think what's most important here is stability, mm-hmm. and, uh, and as I said, this needs to be sorted out uh, quickly and efficiently, and, uh, and you know where I stand on what the outcome I think should be. Councillor Stephen Holliday, thanks for your time. Thank you. Likewise, Aleem Kanji at Sutherland Corporation. Appreciate your comments as well. Great to be with you. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.